What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, folks, welcome to the show. It is basically before dawn on a Monday. We got the NCAA national title game between UConn and San Diego State. UConn heavily favored. The public is betting all on UConn. The Sharps are betting on UConn. And I don't even care about the national title game because... The number one, I mean, there was so much news over the weekend. It's a lot to digest, truth be told. But we're, 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 we're actually going to focus primarily most of today's episode on something we've never covered on the show before. Pro wrestling, because, man, the amount of pissed off people about WrestleMania last night. I, I got to talk about it, because the social media reactions were... I'll be honest, I died laughing with WrestleMania last night. So I was thoroughly entertained, but I understand a number of people are incredibly pissed. Incredibly pissed. So we're going to talk WrestleMania, but we've got a bunch of other uh, items to kind of get through as well. So we're going to run through the weekend rundown and kind of summarize what you missed in the world of sports. And then we'll get into the main topic I want to cover because we also got big, important business news to discuss, uh, discuss in the entertainment world as well concerning WWE and Endeavor and the UFC. So more uh, more to come there. So let, let's just start off with some of the line items that I came across uh, today and uh, throughout the weekend. So without much further ado, let's talk some baseball because... When I did the season preview, I was being very clear and deliberate about the rule changes 
because I knew a bunch of people were going to get all up in arms about the pitch clock. That's not, uh, that's really not the biggest uh, differentiator because the bases uh, being bigger and the fact of the uh, lack of throwovers being limited to two, bases, uh, base stealing, uh, uh, base steal attempts are way up. And the success rate is way up. You got a success rate of over 80%, and base attempts uh, being stolen, uh, you know, even from the limited game samplings from uh, the opening weekend, way up. We got got double-digit increases uh, in both the American and National League. It's it's not region-specific. Baseball's getting what they wanted. They wanted more action on the base pass. They wanted more activity in the game itself. But everyone's harping about the pitch clock. Oh, I, I, I can't stand the fact that the baseball game is less than three hours. I don't know who these robotic people are complaining about baseball games getting shorter. You know why you can deal with a football game being over three hours? It's because people are getting jacked up. You're actually seeing action that's warranting sticking around to see the three hours. Baseball, the action is so limited at times that no, a three and a half hour baseball game is not nearly as enjoyable as a three and a half hour football game. Or a hockey game that goes into OT and is stretching into three hours. It's not even close. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, baseball people. And the reason why I know some of you are marks and you don't know what you're talking about is because baseball games did not drag out this long uh, previously uh, to the pitch lock ruling. Baseball had to take more extreme measures because too many guys were abusing the rules. If you go back through the annals of history of baseball game length, realistically, you had games... Well, under two and a half hours. You know, you want to know the average game time of baseball games last year in 2022? Three hours and six minutes. 21, coming off the pandemic. Three hours and 11 minutes. 2020, in the freaking pandemic with seven inning games. Seven inning games, mind you. Seven inning games. Seven inning games. 2020. Three hours and six minutes. We're taking three hours to get through a seven-inning game. You don't see where we got a problem? 2019, three hours and ten minutes. 2018, three hours and four minutes. 2017, three hours and eight minutes. Am I getting the point across to you guys? If you go back through the history of baseball, three-hour games were an anomaly by and large. And the hits are down. It's not even that just the fact that the games were being longer. Be like, oh yeah, we're getting all... No, no, the hits were down. The hits and balls in play were down. You're hitting worse. The games are stretching out even longer because nobody can freaking hit. They had to make changes. The players are actually... Like, you could say that the pitcher's getting better. I'd say the, hitter, the hitters are getting worse because of their technique sucks. Because everyone's emphasizing trying to hit uh, home runs instead of trying to put balls in play. That's what baseball's trying to emphasize. Getting the ball in play again and actually incentivizing proper behavior. 
Because you could say Moneyball all you want. Moneyball helps win some titles, then help every baseball team. But yeah, if you look at the annals of baseball, even in the mid-90s, average game time was still under 2 hours and 45 minutes by and large. It was still a dramatic increase from the 80s. Because most baseball games in the 80s were just over two and a half hours. It's only that we approached this 2000 where we started getting into the habits of baseball games could be over three hours. And you should expect it to be over three hours. These games were bad. Straight up bad. The hitting was down. The games were longer. And now everyone's complaining that the baseball games are going too quick because the average game time is coming in around 2 hours and 38 minutes for the first opening weekend of games. People are actually complaining. You're either an alcoholic or an idiot. I'm sorry. Because I can tell most of you either didn't play baseball or didn't follow baseball long enough to actually understand how the game devolved over the last 25 years. Becoming a dumber sport because there are so many other aspects of baseball in terms of rotations, knowing where cutoff throws are supposed to go to. Like so many fundamentals are being lost in baseball because of the fact that it's everyone standing around waiting for a player to launch a ball after they select it as hard as possible. And more often than not, whiffing completely because they're, they're, they're trying to go for an all or nothing play instead of putting the ball in play. So, yes. The pitch clock is good. Yes. In incentivizing base stealing and running on the base pass to c- create offensive mismatches for teams to defensively try to uh, recalibrate how they want to uh, guard, guard teams. Yes. Because that's what baseball is. You know, we got rid of the DH. Uh, I mean, we got rid of, uh, uh, we got rid of uh, the pitcher hitting in a National League to make more universal batting. But it also got rid of the double switches and some of the other aspects of baseball that made it unique. Because it wasn't incentivizing uh, the teams to have uh, the small ball approach. Now you're actually getting some of that, albeit in minuscule doses, because the the hitting still isn't where it needs to be. But this is a course correction for the next 10 to 20 years with these rule changes. Yeah, people may be complaining, but man, as someone who's followed baseball for over 30-plus years, this was so overdue that I'm finally glad we're actually seeing some substantive change to get back to some of the basics of what baseball is actually supposed to be about. So, that's the initial talk about baseball, because I I know some of you were, were harping on that. I've seen the social media, and I just had to call it out. Next up, the NCAA Women's Championship. Woo! I mean, we had an incredible tournament performance by Caitlin Clark of Iowa. But man, we got into way, way too much discussion on race, trash talking, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Because if you watch Caitlin Clark, she was hooping. 
She was balling. She was shooting. Uh, she was uh, she was doing the John Cena "You Can't See Me" gesture. She was trash talking her opponents throughout the entire tournament. It's not as though, like the the Iowa fans want to make it sound like she was this little innocent angel, salt of the earth, like we bay in the woods, like all innocent. Like she was hooping and she was trash talking. Guess what? She deserved the swag. She 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 deserved the swag. Like in. Balling like in an NBA, yeah, you're gonna trash talk opponents. I'm sorry for people who want to just say that it's all about sportsmanship and you can't trash talk opponents in the middle of a game. I'm sorry, that's not how that's not how competition works, especially at elite high levels. The higher you go, even more like the trash talk gets even, and, and the mind games get even more pronounced. A game within the game. So, yeah, there is a very real conversation being had because as Caitlin Clark is beating South Carolina, you're you're having people talk about, you know, they're so glad that Caitlin Clark was able to triumph over South Carolina because of how physical South Carolina plays and how thuggish their tactics are when they're playing defense. And rightly so, yeah. There were people getting pissed off about the characterization of an undefeated South Carolina team that played dominant in the post, played good defense, and constantly having to justify themselves being classified as thugs. And like, I, I think the comment was is like uh, uh, Iowa survived the bar fight. It's like you know, again, Kayla Clark and Iowa played fantastic in the Final Four to eliminate South Carolina. But it was, the commentary was absolutely denigrating to South Carolina. And that's where it got into the whole dynamic of where people feel like it's the great white hope versus when they have to play against black athletes. Because it always seems as though uh, when there's anything being done and they were talking about sportsmanship and this, that, the other... They, they, they didn't even bring that up with Caitlin Clark. They were literally saying, you know, they say Caitlin Clark's determined and, you know, the confidence she leads her team with. And everyone's looking at this like, what, what, why, why the double standard? Because Angel Reese was leading LSU to the national title game and, you know, uh, everyone's talking about how disrespectful Angel Reese was in the national title run. Because you see what they're doing. It's, they're hooping. You you should be able to trash talk. But it was the characterization that led to this. So yesterday you had the national title game. LSU was playing well throughout. Iowa was a one-woman show pretty much the entire tournament. Clark was getting her points, but LSU was just straight up better than Iowa. You know, yeah, the best player didn't win. But at the same time, you still have cases where at the end of the day, pretty much what would happen in any game, any game. But Angel Reese made it a point to she wanted Caitlin Clark to recognize (coughs) the trash talk. So, yeah. She's up big, games locked up, 
But yeah, she felt the need to trash talk. Was it really necessary? No. But we don't even know how much trash talk was going on during the course of the game. Like, the people who were having this, like, conniption about how disrespectful the the display was of her following Caitlin Clark up and down the court doing You Can't See Me. Again, I don't know how many of y'all actually played sports. This ain't new. If you're going to talk the talk, you got to be prepared to walk the walk when it, it comes around on your end. Because no matter how good you are, you are going to get caught at a certain point. Hell, we got LeBron James getting the too small treatment from Patrick freaking Beverly. LeBron James getting the too small treatment from Patrick, uh, from P-Bev after P-Bev got a layup on LeBron. LeBron. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, if you guys are going to take that that seriously, uh, I'm sorry. You should not watch sports. Now, at certain levels with youth competitions, like in little kids, yeah, it's probably too young. Like, if you got seven and eight-year-olds uh, acting that way. Yes, you, you should be. Coaching your kids on proper manners and sportsmanship at a certain point when they're children. At a certain age, when you hit teenage years, that goes out the window. Because that's when you start becoming an adult and learning actions have consequences. And so, yeah, you feeling yourself, but yeah, you better be prepared to take the L when it comes your way. Because that L will come your way sooner or later. So, you can handle your business all you want, but those L's are coming and... You never know when you're going to have that other person rub it in your face. And in the pros, absolutely. It's like, yeah, I consider college to be the pros at that point anyway. They're, they're uh, I mean, it's glorified professional athletes at this point. But yeah, the folks crying about sportsmanship and, you know, how disrespectful. Like, No, guys, at a certain point, you stop becoming children and you start progressing into their adulthood. And that's when, again, I always say actions have consequences. You can be a trash talker, but you got to be prepared to take the trash talk if you're going to trash talk. And sometimes if, if, you, if you aren't a trash talker and someone trash talks you anyway, yeah, you know what? You brush it, I'll take the high road. Now, Kayla Clark, post-match, claimed that she didn't see Angel Reese doing the you-can't-see-me gesture, which was a complete lie. But, you know... I probably would have just said, yeah, I I, I would have just said, yeah, I, 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 you know, we lost the match and, you know, she can do what she wants and just acknowledge it that way. But it's like, you know, it is what it is. But to her credit, Kayla Clark talked about her teammates the entire stretch run that they had, which was an incredible tournament run. She talked about her teammates and how much they meant to her, which is an appropriate thing to do. So, yeah, it would have been nice if she just acknowledged the fact that, yeah, I got beat. You know, sometimes sometimes that'll happen in the course of when you're being a true competitor. Because that's what it is. It's competition. Folks are always going to measure you. And when Angel Reese did her uh, um, post-match conference with her coach, and we got to talk about Kim Mulkey, because I don't know how Kim Mulkey in that game, like, literally assaults a ref, because she bumps into the ref and grabs the ref, doesn't get a technical... 
I know people were complaining about the Caitlin Clark technical. I didn't even have a tr- problem with the Caitlin Clark technical because actually throwing the ball out of bounds the way she did is a technical. I know people get like annoyed with like, oh, you can't call the foul in that situation. This, that, the other. Like, technically, it wasn't technical. But the Kim Mulkey thing, she could have gotten ejected for that. Like, if she got, and when, at the point where that happened, if she got ejected from that game, it would have been one of the dumbest coaching blunders in the history of sports. Somehow, she doesn't get anything. That, the officiating that game was horrendous. Didn't change the fact that LSU was demonstrably better than Iowa. So there were a ton of things going on. But the discourse I'm seeing online on Twitter about race and how disrespectful Angel Reese was to Clayton Clark and then the defenders for Angel Reese saying, well, Caitlin Clark did it, so she should obviously be able to do it. Uh, it's it's racially motivated that all this hate is coming towards Angel Reese. This day and I, It was such an annoying distraction from the actual game itself that I was getting even increasingly pissed off with how everyone was losing control of the narrative. Everyone's harping on the refs and there's a conspiracy. But LSU was better than Iowa. Iowa played the game of their lives against South Carolina to knock them off. South Carolina was the best team in the country. I firmly believe that. They were the best team in the country. There's a reason why uh, uh, LSU wasn't a a top seed because they were stuck with uh, losing to South Carolina in the SEC. But, you know, the best team doesn't always win. We know this in sports. South Carolina got beat. Caitlin Clark was the best player in the tournament. Now, I disagree with the fact that they named Angel Reese the most outstanding player in the tournament just because her team won. Caitlin Clark was the best player in the tournament. I mean, that's pretty much the uh, the long and short of it. So, we got into a huge race discussion on women's college sports on a day that should have been highlighted how excellent the state of women's basketball is at the moment, where women's college basketball and the WNBA in general keeps elevating in terms of talent level and execution. Because it is getting there. I know folks want to be completely dismissive of women's sports, but it's getting better. It's getting better. Because you see it in MMA, you see it in basketball, you see it, hell, you see it in pro wrestling. I'll, I'll talk about that a bit later for uh, my WrestleMania uh, recap. So, you can, you can be dismissive all you want, but women's sports only going to continue to improve. In soccer, too, with the amount of professional leagues, hockey, it's only getting better. Ain't going anywhere, folks. I know some of you don't like it, but you're going to have to get used to it. And it's a hell of a lot better than freaking pickleball. My goodness. The pickleball tournament that they showed with John McEnroe, Agassi, uh, Andy Roddick, Michael Chang. Man, that was a brutal watch. And I only got a couple minutes of it, and that summed up basically what John McEnroe felt about it. That it was a dumb exhibition, and the only reason why John McEnroe was doing it, and he said it himself, is because they were paying him a ton of money to do it, and they were playing for a million dollars. That's it. He did not respect pickleball at all, and neither will I. Come on, guys. This is like 
like I, I, I was, I was trying to keep it open mind, but man, it, it, it reminded me exactly what I thought it was. It was just like, you know, it's like the rec league JV stuff. Like you might as well do like, you might as well just air the world chase tag championships again, rather than pick a ball. Come on. Anywho, we're going to take a quick, uh, uh, break for commercials, but I want to get into WWE, uh, the recent news uh, that broke yesterday, as well as my thoughts on WrestleMania, because I know the wrestling community is up in arms today over what went down. And to me personally, I I told you guys, I found it hilarious. But, you know, I look at it from a different prism than most people do. So... Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get after it after the break. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back, and I know some of you have been asking about this. Dwayne, you said you're going to do your wrap-up of New York sports and where things stand right now. I know. I know I said that, but it's all it's, it's, it's the fault of the Jets. Right now, they and the Packers are doing this awkward dance with Aaron Rodgers where the Jets gave up all their leverage because they said they weren't interested in trading for Lamar Jackson when... They're actively trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers, but gave up all their leverage by saying they have no interest in Lamar Jackson. Meanwhile, the Packers have no leverage because Aaron Rodgers keeps talking about how the Packers don't want him around and he wants to leave and he intends to play for the Jets. Neither side has any leverage, yet they keep <laughs> they they keep having to stand up because both sides keep shooting themselves in the foot. It's like one of the most it's like it's like it's a messy situation. And honestly, it's like a, watching an ugly-looking uh, drunk hook up in a bar late at night where everyone wants the two parties to just get the hell out of their sight so everyone else can get along with, get, get on with their business. I mean, it's comically hor- horrible, but that's what's holding up the comedian because I, wa- I want to summarize every New York sports team. And obviously, the situation has changed with the Knicks with the Julius Randle injury. It hasn't changed my opinion, but it's going to change the perception of Knicks fans in general of how the season is going when I had a completely different take on the situation. But, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. The, the, the excuses are already being baked in. But, um, yeah, so that's what what happened with the delay on that episode. It's the Jets' fault, but, you know, it's the most Jets thing ever, the current situation with Aaron Rodgers. So, without much further ado... Let's talk about World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE, or as the old school folks will call it, WWF before, you know, they got sued 
almost into oblivion by the World Wildlife Fund and had to change their name. Let's talk pro wrestling. And I know some of you are just going to be like, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Fine. Fine. Well, let me tell you something. You may not have an interest in it, but you know who does? Endeavor does. Endeavor, William Morris Endeavor, you know, the company that owns the UFC. Endeavor is about to close the sale and uh, complete buying WWE from Vince McMahon. And the sale amount is expected to be somewhere upwards of $9 billion. I'm going to say that again. WWE is up for sale and has been for months. And the news broke last night during, uh, right before uh, the second night of WrestleMania went on broadcast, that the sale was imminent and that Endeavor was going to be the buyer. And it's going to be basically a portfolio of WWE and UFC, and that the sale price is going to be upwards of $9 billion. Now, Full disclosure, I am a shareholder of WWE stock for uh, well over a decade, most likely. But as an entertainment venture, hell of a return on that investment. Uh, it, it, like it, it, from where WWE has grown over the years. But it's a stable marketplace. There's always interaction on social media. I always see tweets about different wrestlers and things going on. It's entertainment. It's content. It's weekly episodic television. Goes on. The show always goes on. There's always something going on. Even if I'm not watching, I know someone else is. You got USA. You got Fox. uh, You got uh, Peacock uh, streaming platform because WWE was one of the first... uh, content creators to realize that the consolidation in the uh, content creation space was inevitable so they sold their wwe.com online portal to peacock for billion uh a couple billion actually uh, in terms of the streaming rights deal they're ahead of the curve in terms of distribution models and generating buzz. So you may not like wrestling. You may not think it makes any sense. And that it's uh, hillbilly stuff. But from a business model standpoint. You should want more of your business to run the way WWE does. And that leads us to Wrestlemania. Because at the end of the day. I know a number of fans are upset about how the show went down over the course of the weekend. And I'll summarize what happened for folks just so they kind of understand the background of what transpired. But I'm going to try to walk through the thought process to try to help the wrestling fan understand what really transpired. So whether you're from the era of Hulk Hogan or you were Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels fan, or you you came up through Stone Cold, or The Rock, or Undertaker, maybe you're a John Cena fan, it doesn't matter. The names have changed over the years. The business model is the same. 
the model of creating content throughout a continuous cycle, which is something that the UFC has basically emulated, it fits into a grand portfolio that, honestly, I wasn't sure the day would actually come where UFC and WWE basically end up becoming merged at some point. Because there was always potential that WWE, when UFC was struggling, that WWE would buy it. WWE opted not to. Then UFC got big. And Vince was getting up there in age. And there was always potential that the Fertitta brothers might try to mer- uh, do a conglomerate with somebody else. Didn't Never never quite panned out. But then Endeavor comes along. Buys out the Fertittas. You got UFC. And, you know, both sides have stayed cordial over the years. It's never really been that contentious because they play in worlds that aren't the same. But they capture very similar demographics. And, you know, one thing that I always say, you got to know your audience. Because as much as Vince McMahon may piss off his audience with some of the decisions he makes, the audience comes back. The audience comes back. And so I know some of you don't want to hear that, but you'll be back watching. I know you're going to be back watching because there's still going to be a hardcore audience. Now, are there always going to be boom cycles? Yeah, because someone catches on like a meteor and takes off to the grease. So, yeah, when you had when you had Hulk Hogan meteor event, you, you can't contain that. When you had The Rock... And Stone Cold Steve Austin, meteoric rise, like carried a bunch of other dudes along with it. I mean, obviously he had great characters like uh, Mick Foley, and, uh, the rest of the group with uh, Triple H. But you had the Rocket Stone Cold being at the forefront of that. Like no one was ever going to hold the Rocket. Like he was always going into Hollywood. You knew Hogan was going to Hollywood. You knew Rock was going into Hollywood. John Cena pops up on the scene a couple years later. You knew eventually he was going to go to Hollywood. It happens. But the core business model stays the same. You got to tell a story. So, to level set the expectations for everyone, I'm going to go through the other parts of WrestleMania. Because, you know, I know some of you don't think I, I, I follow wrestling hardcore enough. To, to truly do a show on it. Well, I could. But again, I got so much other stuff to do in the interim. I, you know, it, uh, there, there are other formats to actually could cover WrestleMania. But what I thought of WrestleMania um, overall from the, fr- uh, because now WrestleMania, the, the rosters are so big for, uh, for WrestleMania now. They split over two nights and still there's so much content you probably could have done a third night. And guess what? There might actually be a, a time when they actually bring up a third night of WrestleMania. Because you got so much wrestling. Like they had their subdivision show, NXT. Put on a media type event of their own. And it was just as good as the main roster. They got so many performers. And guess what? 
They're taking college athletes and trying to turn them into pro wrestlers. Because guess what? If you have the basics of uh, uh, basic of bodybuilding type and you teach someone how to uh, talk on the mic and, and perform in front of a, a live audience and cut promos and do interviews like I'm talking through on a podcast, like they... Some of these guys are content creators. It's half the battle. Yeah, the physicality is one thing, but you got to be able to tell a story. They're just getting better at creating stars. So, without much further ado, let's let's talk about a couple of the matches. So, the first night of WrestleMania, they start they they bring uh, they bring out Cena again. Cena basically is. You know, doing the appearance because he loves he loves he loves wrestling. But realistically, Cena is so busy filming schedules he can't even do the bumps that he would normally do. So they're trying to hype up this kid Austin Theory. He's gonna be the next Cena. So if if y'all hate Austin Theory, tough luck. They're gonna be pushing this kid for the next five to ten years easily. Whether or not he makes it or not, who knows? But they're gonna push him hard. So. Uh, that match was the showcase theory. Then you got a bunch of other uh, tag teams in the next matchup uh, between Braun Strowman, Ricochet, the Viking Raiders, which is basically it's like one of Vince's. Like I swear, I swear that the gimmick is something straight out of the eighties with <laughs> straight out of the eighties with Vince. I swear, Vince. Uh, Alpha Academy, which is basically a rendition of uh, uh, Team Angle, which again Chad Gable, bless his heart, like should should be getting pushed like Kurt Angle, but he's an Olympic wrestler just like Angle, but he's two inches shorter than where Vince wants him to be, so he doesn't get the push that he should. Again, they're looking for a certain build, but if you have credentials, you're still going to stick around on the roster anyway, and they know you can wrestle. And then the Street Profits, where you got a breakout star in the in the wings in Montez Ford it, whenever they decide to pull the trigger. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But they already showcased three guys that could easily be main eventing a pay-per-view down the line that the fans want to see do stuff because... Every time you watch Ricochet do stuff in the ring, you're always amazed. Gable is the most respected wrestler that is stuck in the mid-card. And Ford is a potential superstar. And his wife is quite, like, honestly, the best female wrestler in the world right now. What are you going to do? I mean, you still got Xavier Woods. Kofi Kingston's injured. Biggie, his career might be over, which is incredibly unfortunate. But Xavier's going to have a job with WWE because he's a content creator, so obviously he still gets to do backstage segments. Next up, Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. And I know people can't stand the Paul brothers. But if you're talking about people who inherently get pro wrestling and how to tap into an audience... The Paul brothers are there. And so Dana White may hate uh, Jake Paul's guts. But guess what? Jake Paul and Logan Paul have an automatic ticket 
to do whatever they want in WWE, no matter how much uh, Dana White may hate their guts for any UFC appearances. And guess what? They moved the needle because Logan Paul basically rode a zip line into the arena. They're at SoFi Stadium. Logan Paul probably had the coolest entrance of anyone at WrestleMania and was such an amazing douchebag that I was absolutely captivated. And uh, guess what? He's a hell of an athlete. So as much as you may not like Logan Paul, that dude can play and wrestle in any main event he wants in a pay-per-view. I have no problems with it because he's a natural-born talent. The match he had with Seth, Seth led all the spots. Seth, you could do, he's like the Swiss Army knife. You can do anything with Seth. You can have him in the main event. You can have him in the mid-guard. You can have him cut promos. It doesn't matter. He, he's, he's got the crowd in the palm of his hand, and they sing his song throughout the match. It's like between him and Chris Jericho, it's like those two going to have the crowd eating out of the palm of their hands no matter what happens. Like, that's how you know you're a made man. Like, you can do whatever it, like, you can read the phone book and it won't matter. It will not matter. So, Logan Paul and and Seth wrestle, I don't even think it was a 20-minute match. Didn't matter. It was still entertaining enough that it's like, I just wrote that down. This match, you must watch again. Logan Paul has wrestled, I think, three matches in WWE. All of them incredibly memorable because it was the uh, WrestleMania tag match last year. Then he wrestled Roman Reigns, and this was his third actual match. The fact that he, he like looks as though he's been wrestling for 10 years just is a testament to just how inherently good he is. And again, natural-born douchebag. <laughs> like, it's so entertaining. Uh, thoroughly enthralled. Loved it. Then you have the throwback match with, uh, Becky Lynch teaming up with lead interest Stratus against, uh, 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 ba- uh, Bailey and her faction. You know, this was the nostalgia match, which you do for Mania. It served its purpose. Becky and her team won. You know, nothing to write home about, but, like, again, filled its purpose, had the throwback moments. You, you move on from there. Then you got the funniest storyline I could possibly think of. Man, if Eddie Guerrero were here to see this, uh, it would warm his heart. Man, I miss Eddie Guerrero so much. But the Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio storyline is such a ridiculous storyline that's straight from a Spanish telenovela that it's born for mania. Like, Dom, Dominic going from, like, just, like, a bland, vanilla, like, baby face character that exactly why everyone hated The Rock when he came out as a rookie in WWE and was completely boring. Dominic going from bland baby face to such an obnoxiously annoying heel. That's like that's doing like the yuppie like I don't want to say yuppie version, but it's like it's, it's like the Gen Z version of Eddie Guerrero 
as a as a street hood, <laughs> but it's like no one takes him seriously because he everyone knows that you you grew up rich. But the gimmick again, just like Logan Paul, rich entitled douchebag, <laughs> just oozes bro. It tells a great story, and then Ray as uh, as Don would call him, the deadbeat dad who abandoned him. Everyone in the crowd's cheering on Ray to beat the snot of, out of his son, and it's like, it's like, it's, the, it's like I said, it's it's straight out of a Spanish telenovela because you're literally cheering for a father to beat the snot out of his son. I'm telling you, only in WWE could you get like a crowd of eighty thousand people cheering to for a father to beat beat up his son. It's the best thing. I won't tell how the match goes, but man, that match was fantastic. Just from a storyline perspective. And then Dom, like like getting in the face of his mom, throwing water in the face of his sister. Oh, it's like, the match was, you gotta go watch that match. It's just for a storyline, that is what you do for a pro wrestling match. Just so, so over the top, you gotta love it. And then... For the women's title to close out, uh, well, it was going to close out the night, but plans change, and it's, again, storylines, you got to prioritize. You had to do the Charlotte Flair-Rhea Ripley match, which was a rematch of a prior WrestleMania match that, again, due to the pandemic, Charlotte Flair went over because Vince didn't know how the business was going to work with no crowd, and he didn't want to put the title on Rhea Ripley. And then as a result, Rhea Ripley's career stagnated throughout the pandemic because Vince wasn't sure how the crowd was going to receive Ripley. So he actually had Ripley lose to Charlotte, uh, yeah, three years ago because they were supposed to be in Tampa for the pand- uh, for WrestleMania. They had to cancel the uh WrestleMania in front of a live crowd because of COVID. And because of that, Rhea Ripley's push got completely derailed. And we'll get to another person whose uh, push got derailed as a result. But this was the course correction. Because Rhea Ripley came up with a new gimmick as a heel. Even though Charlotte also was kind of playing a heel in this in this match. But this was an incredible wrestling match. And it's just... Pure athleticism and incredible performance where I I say again, women's wrestling has evolved to a level where as someone who's watched pro wrestling his entire life, I can honestly say that was easily one of the top, like some people were saying it's the greatest women's match of all time. I'm not not necessarily going to say that, but it's easily... Up there in the in in the top uh, top ten easily, top five. You can make an argument, but these matches are always getting better. They're always getting better. And so, if you're gonna watch a wrestling match from this entire rest, uh, WrestleMania weekend, it's this match you need to watch because you're seeing how the women are actually in the same space as the men now in terms of the athleticism and strength. You can you can literally see how strong they are lifting each other up. It's like it's believable. It is 
genuinely believable when they do their power moves and execution. Like, and you feel how, like, t- like again. I know it's not real, but the pain is real when they slam each other. Like that, it that like bumping on a mat. I gotta tell you, folks. Like, if you've never, and I know some of you haven't tried doing this stuff, but I'm telling you. The mat is not nearly as forgiving as you think it is. So when they put out those messages of don't try this at home, yeah, don't try this at home because you could jack up your back and everything else real quick. So, yeah, with all the backyard wrestling stuff, because, yeah, I saw some dumb spots over the weekend with wrestlers breaking their ankles over idiotic uh, wrestling spots that I called out. It's like you do some really stupid stuff. There was not stupid stuff in here. This match was pure gold. Absolute gold. You need to watch this Charlotte Flair Rhea Ripley match. If you like any type of pro wrestling, you need to watch that match. Next up, you got uh you got a, a cool down segment with the Miz and Snoop Dogg where they bring out Pat McAfee. You know, they chill out with uh, the crowd, they kind of cool out on the crowd because that Charlotte Fair Rear Ripley match was so incredible. You you got you gotta do a kind of blow off segment to get the crowd to cool off, grab a beer, get ready for the main event. Like again, from a booking standpoint, they're all psychology things that, like like I, I hope people understand. Like this was like a three hour plus show. You have to do certain balances uh when you have a live crowd. But yeah, this uh, this segment did what it needed to do. Snoop Dogg, again, always a pro. We're going to get to Snoop Dogg in night two uh, coming up. But, again, from a storyline perspective, the biggest storyline was the bloodline. And the bloodline story cannot be told without Sami Zayn, who was in the main event with Kevin Owens, or as I like to call him, Kevin Steen from the old days in Ring of Honor. Like, the Usos, <laughs> probably the greatest tag team. Uh, they're getting up there in terms of the greatest tag team of all time. I'll say that about the Usos. Just because of their work rate over the last decade, they they are in the discussion of the greatest tag team of all time. Which, again, it's kind of wild when you think about the Steiner brothers, you think about... A Legion of Doom. You think about the Freebirds. Like there's a great like you think you think you think about basically any tag team Art Anderson's been on. Uh, there's a all time great the Heart Foundation. Like you got some all time great tag teams. Usos are up there. But this storyline with the Bloodline and Sami Zayn, you had to tell this story, and it had to close out the night one of WrestleMania. So I'm not gonna give away what happened, but. It was a satisfying, cathartic experience for the crowd. That was night one. Everyone's feeling good post night one. Night two involves, which is what happened last night, Roman Reigns in the main event against Cody Rhodes. And I'm going to say this in the backdrop of the storyline with the bloodline. Everyone was connecting more with Sami Zayn being in the bloodline, and Cody Rhodes kind of, kind of got tacked on 
with this storyline of Cody Rhodes and his father Dusty Rhodes getting cheated out of winning the world title. And so Cody wanted to win the title for his family. Classic storyline. But you got to understand, and from the rest of, uh, the hist- uh, wrestling historians, they will always notice that Cody's dad, Dusty, the American Dream, was always famous for his finishes. And they would call it a Dusty finish because of how convoluted some of those finishes were for the sake of the storyline. Again, I'm going to say this. Dusty Rhodes was famous for his wild-ass finishes because of the specific purpose in the storyline. Cody's storyline is that he's trying to win the title from his family because it got stolen from them thirty plus, over 30 years ago, and he swore that he would win it for his family. It got stolen from him. Remember that. Foreshadowing. Night to WrestleMania. Way less uh, enticing matchups. This is where you get more of the sports entertainment matchups. And this is where I, I said it from the jump. As soon as the booking started going down, I knew for a fact this was straight Vince. And I know how Vince thinks. So, night two kicks off. You got Brock Lesnar, who, if you don't know who Brock Lesnar is, I don't know, he's <laughs> like the greatest man beast of all time. The most pro wrestler looking pro wrestler of all time in Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it's like the real life Hulk versus Omos, who is seven foot three and over 400 pounds, just huge black dude. And somehow you got Brock. Like in a fast match because Brock does not work by the hour, and he—I can't remember the last time Brock worked more than ten minutes in a match that didn't involve Roman Reigns or the Undertaker. Brock hits three German suplexes on Omas after getting beat up for the first three minutes of the match. Uh, you know, (laughs) it's like. Uh, you you see you see Brock try to sell I- injuries, which is always co- comical. But it's like Omas looks like he just overpowers Brock, which shows again the showcases for. Wait a second, this guy can overpower Brock Lesnar. Basically, he should be able to overpower anyone on the roster. That's where it's, the Vince storytelling comes in. But to protect Brock. Brock hits the three German suplexes and somehow gets, I mean, the dude is literally over 400 pounds. Like, like you got a over like seven, like over seven feet tall. Dude is heavy. Brock gets him up for the F5, spins him in the air. It's like, it's like, holy crap, Brock, even 20 plus years of doing pro wrestling is still, like, the most impressive athlete I've ever seen. Just ridiculous. Uh, that match was way better than it had any right to be. I thought that was that was going to be a complete mess of a match. It was actually good. It was actually good for it, at, even as short as it was. Because you got to see impressive strength, because Rock, Brock got tossed around like a ragdoll, which is something you will never hear coming out of my mouth again. Because even in UFC, ain't nobody, like, 
even Overeem, full on steroids, uh, kicking Rock, uh, Brock in the uh, the gut. Yeah, that was an ass whooping in actual fighting, but no one actually ragdolls Brock from a wrestling standpoint. And you actually saw Obasha Chuck Brock. Like, that was impressive to look at. Anywho. You got a women's tag match, which was time filler in general. Not to dismiss it, but literally the whole point of that was to set up a bunch of women. Because Ronda Rousey was in the match, but Ronda Rousey is injured. But they needed Ronda Rousey to win the match. So, uh, you did a match in under 10 minutes where... Everyone got their spots in, and Ronda got the finish with the armbar as a huge heel because the crowd hates Ronda. But Ronda is perfect as a schoolyard bully heel. But again, Ronda was hurt, but was playing uh, was playing injured because they needed to uh, uh, get the uh, they needed to get the Ronda appearance in. And we'll actually see because uh, again with this new merger. You're going to see more UFC rejects, uh, I shouldn't say rejects, veterans come into pro wrestling. I guarantee you. Again, constant flow of traffic with folks coming in for celebrity appearances. I'm telling you. Endeavor knows what they're doing here. I I, I full, uh, like, they've got, I have a very confident feel about this business model. Uh, yeah, next up. Most confusing segment of them all. Bobby Lashley comes out. And for those of you who don't know, Bobby Lashley was supposed to be wrestling at WrestleMania. But Bray Wyatt, his opponent, basically no-showed WWE uh, at the MSG house show, which is the biggest house show of the year. Has not been seen on TV since. No one knows what the hell is going on with Bray Wyatt. As a result, Bobby Lashley gets screwed over because... Again, pro wrestling is about storyline. They couldn't have uh, an impromptu storyline match. They didn't want to use Bobby Lashley in the cooldown segment, which I thought was a massive mistake because I know who they did use in the cooldown segment, and that pissed me off. We'll get to that a bit later. This is where you get into the uh, self-indulgence section of the, the card. But more to come there. Bobby Lashley just comes out to the crowd, poses with his trophy that he won from a battle royale the andre the giant memorial battle royal trophy that really means nothing but yeah they just had bobby come out there to grin to the crowd and it was the dumbest appearance of the night it's like i don't know why you wasted bobby lashley's time like that what deserved way better than what he got but you know again things happened and bobby got booked into a horrible storyline and uh, it did not pan out at all. No one came out looking good. Next up, the best match of the actual night. And, you know, I'm not going to call him by his WWE name because it's it's too stupid. But Walter, the best wrestler in the world for the last five years. I will say this continuously. Walter is the best wrestler in the world. Versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Sheamus, consummate veteran. Solid. Never give you a bad match. Drew, also solid. Interesting storyline of... uh, Well, not storyline, but the 
the commentary, outside commentary, is the fact that Drew McIntyre's contract is coming up and they're not near an agreement. I know why they're probably not in an agreement. It's because Drew wants more money. WWE is probably looking at it and saying, we've got a lot of fresh talent coming up. We don't need to pay Drew as much money as he's asking for. Maybe they come to a resolution. Maybe not. Maybe Drew goes to AEW. AEW desperately needs Drew. Mainly because they need a big guy who looks credible. And because they botched the Rusev situation so horribly, maybe that's the trade. It's like Rusev gets let out of his AEW contract and goes back to WWE and Drew McIntyre goes over to AEW. AEW desperately needs someone like Drew McIntyre because all their wrestlers are still tiny and short and are not nearly as credible. And Drew can wrestle. But, hopefully Drew stays, because if you have more matches like that against Walter, I'm telling you, that like that is just... The storyline probably goes into more Drew versus Sheamus, but this was the best match of the night. Um, might be the best match of the, of the weekend, uh, all things considered, but this was just a beautiful triple threat match that, again... Could have gotten even more minutes out of this, but it's, uh, it, it's, uh, this is, uh, I'm not going to lie. Like this was probably the best match of the weekend, but I loved Charlotte and Rhea Ripley so much that I don't want to choose between these two matches, but from night two, you absolutely need to watch this internet intercontinental title match. This is beautiful. And the storyline wrote itself where Sheamus and Drew were so pissed off at each other that they kept breaking up the count because they both wanted to win the title. It's all a beautiful storyline. Like I said, you, 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 you love wrestling. Alright, next up, Bianca Belair. The woman who, as I said, I think is probably the best female wrestler in the world right now. Because of her talents. She's leapfrogged uh, the cop, uh, the pack, but from a storyline perspective, they gave no proper build to this uh, matchup between her and Asuka, who I think has been the best female wrestler of the last decade, before Bianca kind of elevated herself above the pack. Had a great match. Lo- loved it. But because of the storyline not making it any lick of sense... Everyone's confused as to why Bianca didn't lose to Asuka. Because if you're doing a proper storyline, Asuka beats Belair last night. Because it's like you set it up so Asuka gets the win over Belair and then Belair has to kind of rebound and get over. With Belair winning, like she's basically has cleaned out the entire division and they don't have any compelling storylines for Bianca moving forward. So they either have to do shenanigans to take the belt off of Belair, or Belair has to become an obnoxious heel character and change her character over the course of two months or so and refreshing things up. But it's like that was like the first questionable booking decision that I saw. That I'm wondering what that uh, what Vince's game plan is. But Vince has never been an Oscar believer. Uh, Asuka always takes losses on big pay-per-views. So we'll see what they go from there. But to me, 
Bianca's uh, title reign needs to freshen up somewhere. So either she gets a heel manager or they got to do something to freshen it up because now she's had the belt for a year, but there's no ongoing storyline. They got to re they they got to re hit the reset button somewhere. So her losing last night made way more sense uh, than her winning. So now they got to figure out what to do next. All right, we're gonna take one more break before I close out night two because. I'm going to have a rant fest over the nonsense that went on in the next segment. Because, again, we're going to talk about self-indulgence and karma coming up. So, stick around. Yeah, We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back. And, you know, after the women's title match, we had another cool-down segment. And so they brought back out Snoop and The Miz. And we talked about this last night. They used McAfee for the first night. I was curious what they were going to do for this segment because I I realized that Bobby Lashley was not going to do anything. Maybe you get a talker like LA Knight, something else. Instead, Snoop Dogg brings out Shane McMahon to the event. To I guess the crowd was somewhat nostalgic, but I know myself and the rest of the audience... Like vast majority of audience that was commenting online is like, why on earth is Shane here? And that's why I started thinking it's like, this truly is the last hurrah for Vince. Because now that it's sold, Vince can't do all the petty nonsense of involving McMahons and storylines that don't make any sense for the sake of having the McMahons everywhere. This was Vince doing his thing because like uh, Vince can't do spots anymore. So he had Shane uh, come out there. Because he wanted a McMahon out there. And so Shane comes out, like, randomly, like, because they thought he was going to be the face to miss. So they try to do an impromptu matchup. Shane looks well out of shape. Um, and, you know, he he tries to hop over to miss, comes down. People online thought he blew out his ACL. The way he crumpled to the ground... I thought he blew out his quad. Turns out I was right because Triple H confirmed it in the post-match press conference that the major injury tonight was Shane getting hurt outside of Finn Balor getting busted open, which we'll we'll get to later. But Shane had no business being out there. Why was Shane out there? Because Vince told him to be out there. Um, But, yeah, Shane blows out his quad, hopping over to Miz. Match is, like... Basically, it's a train wreck because this is supposed to be a cooldown segment. And the MVP of the show, as crazy as it sounds, was Snoop Dogg. Because he got a live show. Snoop Dogg calls an audible, gets into the ring, punches Miz, which, again, not a believable punch, but it's kayfabe. You got to sell it. Snoop punches uh, punches the Miz, again, 
I don't think Snoop had an earpiece to say of someone coming in to tell him. I think Snoop realized Shane, Shane, something happened with Shane, just took it upon himself, came in there, punched Miz, then he went to check on Shane, asked Shane if he was okay. Shane clearly was not okay. The trainers were out there with medical, and Snoop just took it upon himself to punch Miz again, so he drops Miz again, and then Snoop drops the people's elbow on Miz, gets the pinfall, just to close out the segment. But the fact that Snoop Dogg even thought of continuing the segment and selling it that way was the MVP moment because it's live television. So, like, again, an, uh, a, an injury like that, you don't want to ca- cancel a match, especially on Mania. Because, yeah, sometimes you get injuries where matches wrap up. But there's no way Shane was able to continue that match. And Shane should not have been in that spot to begin with because, as I said, Shane clearly was not in shape. And wrestling is not a... (laughs) Like, again, everyone says it's fake. It is most certainly not fake. You have to be in shape to do those stunts. So, that's what happens when you're not in shape. Like, Shane, buddy, like, he's done incredible stunts uh, throughout the years in WWE. Uh... Cool or ill-advised, he's done those stunts, and a basic cop, when he wasn't in shape, is what takes Shane out of a match. Crazy, but true. But, you know, between the commercials and everything else, they that was a, a lengthy cool-down segment because they had to set up the Hell in the Cell match between Edge and Finn Balor. And not to go crazy over... The match itself, because Finn got busted open with a ladder, but all I'm going to say about the ending is that that was Vince booking all the way through. From a storyline, it was uh, it was pretty goofy and straight out of Vince. It was straight Vince booking because there were choices being made that didn't make any sense. Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. The world title main event be for the undisputed title. And, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting because everyone coming into tonight thought absolutely for sure Cody Rhodes was going to win. And for those of you who don't know, Cody Rhodes grew up in WWE system. Obviously, the son of Cody, uh, Dusty Rhodes. His brother wrestled in WWE for years as Gold Dust to get away from the Rhodes name uh, because he didn't want to live in the shadow of Dusty. And, you know, there were a lot of backstories with Gold Dust and parallels uh, where it seemed like Cody's career was stunted because of being associated with he's not his dad. So what do we do with him? And not knowing how to market him, Cody leaves WWE and you know wants to do his own thing and build up, build himself up. And so he did it on the indie scene. And for the like, for lack of a better word, like Cody proved to himself and others that he could actually be a main event guy when he left WWE. He took a chance on himself. He formed AEW 
the rival wrestling uh, promotion with Tony Khan and was one of the executive vice presidents for the first couple of years at AEW. Now, from whatever story you want to believe with AEW, the issues with AEW came down to a lot of what happens in pro wrestling. Egos and booking. And Cody's booking AEW was absolutely horrendous. And so Cody's booking never made any lick of sense in AEW because he was in the sports entertainment mold the way his father Dusty would, where you got to tell a story. AEW's booking is more like, let's have a match for the sake of having a match. Cody eventually falls out of favor in AEW and is already plotting his leave of AEW while he was still in AEW. Like this, the like the last couple of months of Cody at AEW, it seemed clear that you know both sides wanted wanted to go. So fast forward, Cody debuts at WrestleMania again for WWE last year in a match against Seth Rollins and the reception from the crowd, I couldn't believe how much the crowd had taken back to Cody Rhodes being back and treating him as a main event guy. And Vince saw it. Vince saw the storyline more than I did. They marketed Cody Rhodes as the guy, the baby face to be the brand in the face for Monday night raw. And so they booked him. As the number one babyface on Raw, he was feuding with Seth Rollins for a couple of months. Then he tears his pectoral muscle, and he's going to have to get surgery. He still goes through with a Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins with a torn pec, mind you. And one of the craziest things you'll ever see, that match with him and Rollins, the match they put on, and basically... Everyone looks at Cody in a different light and say, he's a made man. Like, with that performance, like, he's the guy. So, this whole time, everyone knows Cody's rehabbing, and they know he's he should be back in time for Mania and the Rumble, so they're wondering, okay, Cody said he's got to finish his story about his dad getting screwed out of the world title belt and how he's got to finish the story and win the title for his family. So, you fast forward to Royal Rumble... They give it away that Cody's going to be at the Rumble. So it's not a surprise. Everyone knew he was going to be at the Rumble. So then it's a matter of, okay, when's where's Cody going to be in the Rumble? Cody's number three in the Rumble. So now you know for sure Cody's winning the Royal Rumble. It's not even going to be a surprise that he doesn't win the Royal Rumble. So there's no adversity. The adversity was the rehab and everything else, but realistically there's no adversity. Because you didn't see the adversity. So, Cody wins the Royal Rumble and automatically is in the main event with Roman Reigns. And he's in the program of Roman Reigns. But, with the Bloodline storyline, you got Roman feuding with Sami Zayn. You got him feuding with Kevin Owens. And then there's Cody. And so, Cody, by extension, ends up being kind of the third leg in the storyline where... Yeah, he's got his storyline, but the actual storyline on Cody kind of took a backseat to the bloodline. And I say this, that realistically, 
the precursor to this was Nikon was talking about months of storyline still planned for the bloodline. And so people thought this might be a smokescreen. But when you watch the results of last night and Roman Reigns retaining the belt through shenanigans and the bloodline still technically intact, the storyline is Cody got screwed. And so everyone's feeling bad for Cody. Vince made Cody an even bigger baby face because you've got him screwed and now everyone's pissed off and they're going to be booing and they're going to say Cody got screwed and they're going to stretch the title chase even further with Cody and Roman because everyone's going to remember this as the mania where Roman went over again as the ultimate heel and Cody got screwed. And so it just builds Cody up with more adversity because now not only did his daddy get screwed, Cody got screwed. And now you have real adversity because now he's got to build himself back up. How does Cody get back in the title chase? And so that's how Vince thinks of it because he knows the crowd's pissed. But they know the the crowd believes in Cody because the the reaction online of how pissed off and, I mean, you've got so many trending stories about Roman should have lost. They squandered. They fumbled it. They fumbled the storyline. No. I'm actually going to disagree with the internet because that's now the story didn't need to end at Mania. They're, they are constantly stretching out these storylines. Now, would it have been the perfect ending for Cody to win? For some people. But you're going to be watching anyway. You're going to be watching Raw tonight. So, all intents and purposes, they're going to want to hear what Cody has to say. And we'll see how Cody delivers it. But Cody's going to come across looking even more sympathetic because he had Roman beat. He was going to win it all until the bloodline got involved again. So Cody's going to keep hunting him down. Until he until he finally wins that belt. And so you keep the storyline going. Because it's been the hottest storyline in wrestling. And now it's Cody's continual chase. Building upon that. And I know people are, 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 are going to be annoyed at the cock tease. But guess what? There's a reason why they call it a cock tease. You still want the girl anyway. Just saying. You're going to come back to it. Because you need it. So I know people hate the booking decision, but this is why Vince is selling his company for $9 billion because he knows how to play with your emotions. So that's why Roman won because you got, you got the heel. You got the faction still going. Yeah, they took some lumps, but they still kept the most important thing, which was the world title. And so you're still going to have the hero chase him down. You stretch it out for a few more months. The people will still be watching. I know people don't like to hear that. But from a storyline perspective, it actually makes more sense. Because again, it looks as though Cody had certain things handed to him. But to have it so close and it's snatched away again. 
that that's where uh, it it gets him more praise because he doesn't look like a complete dork. That he didn't, you know, it's like he 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 didn't he didn't uh, he didn't like forget to pin Roman and like no he was gonna win and then he 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 got he got attacked with uh uh he he got attacked at the last second when he was about to win. Cody didn't look come come out looking weak here. It just made Roman look like an even bigger prick, and and now the heat on Solo, his henchman is gonna be completely nuclear they're gonna I'm, I'm sorry like people are losing their minds and guess what if Cody had won the volume of social media activity would not have been nearly as severe the volume of venom and people being pissed off generated more headlines than in buzz for WWE and Cody winning and guess what it's all about the content generation and buzz and the clickbait that's why Cody lost. So I know folks don't want to hear that, but that's how you have to start thinking about it when you look at it from a business perspective. And as a stockholder, that's why, in a certain twisted sense, I appreciate Vince and his demented mind because he built Cody up for an entire year and built it on the premise that it was going to happen at Mania. And then to snatch the football away like he's uh, Charlie Brown... Does it does it make you feel as though you hated Charlie Brown? Maybe some people hate Charlie Brown, but people love uh, Charlie Brown cartoons. So you see him chase it again. Now, if you snatch it away from him again, that's when you get into the okay. This is getting a little ridiculous. The next time he faces Roman, he should win it. Otherwise, then you're stretching out too much. But the the visceral reaction of folks getting pissed off and going to social media and the amount of, uh, the amount of, uh, feedback that, that is what Vince is looking for. The engagement. And it shows that he's got them in the palm of their hands. That's it. So all told great WrestleMania weekend. I know people hate the finish of the main event, but you're going to watch raw. WWE's getting sold. Vince is still going to be in charge of creative. People thought Triple H was in charge of creative. I always, like, as soon as the talk of Vince coming back and ousting board members, as soon as they, like, I felt Vince was in control again. It made the most sense that Vince would still be in control. So, yes, Vince uses uh, wrestlers as interchangeable parts. Yes, there are certain sacred cows. That's the nature of the beast. But that's like most companies. It's not fair, but it is what it is sometimes. And you try to figure out different ways of making it work. I don't know, folks. It's been going on for well over 75 years with WWF and WWE. And it's various incarnations. It works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, I know folks are pissed, but it made sense to me. And if it makes sense to me, eventually it should make sense to you. 
Hopefully my explanation helped. Hopefully this was a worthwhile recap of WrestleMania. For those of you who don't like pro wrestling, yeah, this, you're probably scratching your head saying, what the hell did I just listen to? But I'm telling you, it's excellent marketing skills and advice. The crowd and the customer isn't always right. But if you can steer them into what you do think is right, sometimes that's a better course of action overall long term. Just something to think about, folks. All right. I got to get on out of here. But go watch WrestleMania. It's well worth your time. You get uh, get it through Peacock or however you want to disseminate uh, your entertainment viewing pleasure. And until next time, folks, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.